You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. Hope you are having a beautiful weekend. It is a gorgeous weekend. I hope you're able to get out and enjoy uh, some of the stuff happening around here. Uh, we are got this week and next week, and we're going to be wrapping up this series that we've been doing, exploring the book of Ephesians. And uh, I'd love to get your feedback uh, just in how you've uh, experienced uh, this, uh, this letter from Paul over the last, uh, we've been in this now since August. And uh, this week and next week, we're wrapping things up so that we can enter into uh, Compassion Month. I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on these kinds of series. And hopefully you've been spending some time uh, reading through Ephesians as well. Uh, the Bible certainly is a book unlike any other book. And one of the things I know in my own life, I read it differently than I do any other book. Uh, I use uh, the lectionary a lot for my devotional reading, so sometimes I'm, I'm typically reading every day from a passage in the Old Testament, one from the, the New Testament, one from Psalms, and so uh, typically it's a few verses, maybe a chapter here and there, and uh, that's one way of reading, and I thoroughly enjoy that, uh, but have you ever uh, experienced reading the Bible, like taking a whole book and reading the whole book like you'd, like you'd read a, a really good John Grisham novel at the beach, you know, uh, that you, you just you can't stop reading it uh, in terms of reading uh, like even the, the book of Ephesians. I want to encourage you as we wrap this up, take some time if you haven't already to read the entire book of Ephesians. It's only six chapters. They're relatively short uh, in, one, in one sitting. Uh, there is a continuity and there is a vibe and a perspective that, that we sometimes miss out on when we just sort of read it chopped up. Now, Obviously, for a message series, we needed to divide it up into 13 different weeks rather than all of us preach on the whole thing every week. That would be uh, pretty difficult. So we have intentionally split it up uh, into 13 different messages over this message series. But there are some things that we need to understand that definitely uh, Paul is building on. There's continuity that takes place. Uh, last week, Sam did a great job taking us through uh, the passage from chapter 5 on living in the light. And he ended that uh, passage. Uh, he, he focused on the, Paul's encouragement not to be drunk with wine, but to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit so that we would love living lives of worship and lies of gratitude and thanksgiving. Uh, and that's part of what the byproduct of, of living a life continually filled with the Spirit is. But that was not an exhaustive list, as he mentioned last week. In fact, in this very next section that we're looking at today, uh, Paul talks about another facet of, of living uh, continually filled with the Spirit of God. And that's what I want to pick up on today. It is that of living in mutual submission. In this next section, we're going to focus on uh, the end of chapter 5, the beginning of chapter 6, and the topic today I want to talk about is mutual submission lived out in redeemed relationships, uh, the kingdom of God entering all the relationships of our lives, and that it would be marked by his peace, his joy, the Holy Spirit setting things right. 
uh, for God's glory. And, and this is another reminder of this whole setting of Ephesians. Remember, the first half is focused more on uh, the principles, our position in Christ. And the second half is more of you know, how we flesh that out. Uh, the first section, our beliefs. Uh, the second section, our behaviors. And so we're going to be looking at what it looks like for God's kingdom to be reflected in our relationship. And again, God's kingdom... And if you, you hear us talk about the kingdom of God a lot, it's his, God's active rule and reign in our lives. It redeems our relationships, all of our relationships, and it infuses them with his, his goodness, his kindness, and, and with a lot of freedom. And we're going to see how that's played out today, uh, specifically in three relationships. And I'm going to focus primarily on one, uh, but, but Paul talks about uh, mutual submission in the context of husband-wife, parent-child, and in this particular context that, that Paul's talking about here, slave-master. And this is a timeless reminder for us that the character of the kingdom of God and, and all the one another's of Scripture, all the one another's of Scripture, like love one another, submit to one another, prefer one another, be kind to one another, uh, all of those, they need to infuse all of our relationships, but they really need to begin at home, okay? They don't have a lot of authenticity and integrity if we're seeking to do them outside of our normal day-to-day -day relationships. Like, you know, I, I'm going to... I'm going to do this on Sundays where I can be seen by my, my church friends and family, but I'm a jerk at home or I'm a jerk at work, you know? Uh, that is not pleasing to God. Uh, and so we're going to look at that today, how this really should infuse all of our relationships. So uh, got a lot to read from Ephesians. So everybody ready? Uh, we're going to begin Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to uh, go back and include a few of the verses that Sam included uh, last week uh, as we look at this section of chapter 5 in the beginning of chapter 6. Paul writes, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs uh, from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, and always give thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands, to your own husbands, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And this is a profound mystery. But I'm also talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you 
and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exacerbate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, come. We've welcomed you with our worship, and our hearts are open to you and our minds and all that we are. Uh, Lord, we acknowledge that this is a, a passage of Scripture that uh, is challenging, and we just ask that you would come and show us your heart and uh, give us uh, insight to how we need to live this out unto you, unto each other, to bring you glory and honor. We just thank you, God, that your ways are loving, your ways are good, your ways are kind. And we just invite you to come and infuse our lives. We love you. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for being here with us today. God, just speak through me, I pray, uh, that this would be from your heart to this group of people that you love and you care for and you have only the best for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So again, the fruit of continually being filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, having a life of worship and loving that life of worship, living a life of gratitude, and then also living in mutual submission to one another. Now, let's just be really honest. This word submission is not a very comfortable word for a lot of us, is it? Uh, it is very, very uncomfortable. Let me just say this, as the uh, emotionally aware male that I am, it's probably a little more unsettling for the females among us than it is for the males, right? I'm just, uh, I'm just expressing my uh, emotional sensitivity to you this morning, right? Yeah, exactly. Hearty chuckle, hearty chuckle. Uh, but let's, let's just put it out there. Uh, I've been in the church all my life. I know how this word and this particular passage of scripture has been used, uh, misused, and abused uh, in, in some very unfortunate scenarios to be very uh, demeaning. Can I even say oppressive to women? Can I say that? I just said it. I did. Um, and, and I just want to say this, that I don't care if it's this passage that we're reading from Ephesians or any other passage, God's word never, ever gives us license to diminish, oppress, or mistreat any other person, okay? Never. It just doesn't. So whenever we find ourselves using it in that way, something is very, very wrong. Um, I, I have sat in marriage counseling sessions. I don't, I'm not a marriage counselor, but as a pastor from time to time, I find myself in that situation. And, uh, and I'm there to basically ask, how can I resource you and how can I help you with resources? But I got to tell you more than one time, I've sat in sessions where uh, there's major conflict and uh, the guy takes no responsibility, but he points to this scripture in his, you know, in his Christian wisdom and Christian character saying, well, she has to submit. And it's like, 
No, this is, you're not loving. You're not doing your part in this. And so for us as guys to just, you know, just to take this as some sort of license, uh, it, it's, it's, it's not a healthy thing. So, you know, in our own nation's history, uh, this, this passage has been used to justify a little bit of everything, kinds of wrong behavior, even including slavery. I mean, back in the day, there have been those who actually used this passage to, uh, to condone and justify slavery, saying, well, if Paul addressed the master-slave relationship without condemning it, then it must be okay. It's like, no, we have to understand that this was the context that, that Paul found himself in. And here's the bottom line. Jesus came to set the captives free. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And so how can we say that this is a justifiable thing? Paul is just speaking to the context that he found himself in. I, I got to say this. I, I remember watching a, a very, very powerful documentary called The Black Church. It was a Ken Burns documentary that he did several years ago. And uh, one of the things that was the most sinister and just, just hurt my heart as a pastor, it was when you know, many of the so-called Christian slave owners uh, in the early days of our country uh, in, their, in their claim to want to evangelize the slaves that they now owned uh, would have these church services but would intentionally leave out the whole narrative of the exodus uh, God setting his people, the children of Israel, free from slavery because they didn't want to give these slaves that they owned any idea or any notion of freedom in Jesus Christ. That's screwed up, okay? There's no other way to say it. That's just really, really messed up. And so I, I'm saying this, sin diminishes our lives, it diminishes our lives and the lives of others. I mean, just think back to Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve, God's given them this massive, gorgeous paradise, uh, almost completely limitless in terms of what they can enjoy. And they sin. And what did they do? They run and they hide and they get really small so that God won't see them and find them. And that is such a, a powerful picture of what sin does. It diminishes us. And, and when we sin against others, it's part of us trying to diminish someone else. So I, I, I say all that to say, let us not use Scripture as a weapon, no matter what the context is. Let it be a guide to love and to care and to serve and to become more and more like Christ. Because I have, I've been in the, the church long enough to see Christian women beaten up uh, with Ephesians 5 uh, by, by husbands who constantly remind their wives of their duty to submit. And, uh, you know, the, the idea is when we have a disagreement because I'm the guy, you have to submit. And many people in the church say that this text gives the husband the right to rule simply because he's male. The husband have, doesn't have to earn the right. He doesn't have to be more competent in decision makings than his wife. But because of his gender, he can do what he wants, even if he's selfish uh, or doesn't even know what he's doing. I am not here to bash guys. I'm not here to bash guys. I am very pro-male. I am male. I uh, just want to clarify that. I am. I'm on your side. But I'm also very pro-female. I live in a house with four beautiful, wonderful, strong, amazing women. 
that I see God's purposes in and his, the potential that he has. And, and I will talk more about my marriage particularly uh, and uh, in a few minutes and how this thing of mutual submission, we seek to make that work in our marriage. And it's not always easy, but it's always good when it happens. You know, too often, guys, we focus on verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands. And we completely ignore the verse that's right before it. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What is this thing of submission, okay? Uh, what is submission? What does it really mean, this idea of mutual submission? Uh, first of all, it, it's really not something that we can coerce. It is not something that we can force, like, you will submit to me. See how far that gets you, okay? That's just not the way this works. That's not submission, that's domination. That's oppression, maybe that's even abuse, okay, in some cases. True submission can never be required of someone. It can only be given out of, out of trust for, uh, on the basis of trust for someone. That's the only way it can be given. So I can't demand that of Mary Margaret in our marriage. Uh, she can only give it because she trusts me. Uh, and that trust coming out of the relationship that we have and the love that we have for one another. I think it is very interesting that this is the longest singular passage in Scripture regarding marriage. Uh, it's, it's the longest one. So what instruction does Paul give, particularly to husbands, after he instructs wives to submit to their husbands? First, let me give you a little background, because all meaning in Scripture is context-dependent. Uh, in the ancient world, there was something called household codes, which ancient philosophers wrote about. And these household codes basically describe the proper order of relationships in a given household. Now, Paul knows that the Gentile audience that he's writing to, the church at Ephesus and the other churches that this letter will get sent around to, he knows that they have likely heard and read about or heard about these household codes. Uh, and so he uses the same model uh, that many of the philosophers would have written about household codes in his letter to the church at Ephesus. Uh, he uses uh, talking about the duties of wives to husbands, husbands to wives, children to parents, parents to children, slaves to masters, masters to slaves. And he uses similar words like head and, and submit. Uh, but then he goes in a completely different direction than the philosophers who wrote the household, household codes would have. Because you've got to remember that in ancient, uh, the first century church, in that time, uh, in Ephesus and any other Gentile community, women, children, and slaves had virtually no rights, no standing. Uh, they had, had no, no uh, they weren't considered, uh, you know, uh, someone who could speak on their own behalf or had any particular rights. So when Paul addresses men on the issue of mutual submission, um, not once does he say, husbands, rule your wives this way, or husbands, govern your wives that way, much less husbands, dominate or control your wives, because it was a given in that culture, in that culture, that, that women were considered subservient to men, and therefore wives subservient to husbands. That was the culture that Paul was speaking to. That does not mean that he endorsed that culture. That was just, 
He's saying, you know, this is, this is what I'm speaking because this is the way things are. But Paul never defines headship as he continues on in his letter. He never defines headship as the right to be the boss or the king of the house. Instead, Paul describes headship completely in terms of the husband's duty to love his wife. And, and that's where, guys, that's where our focus needs to be. I mean, uh, just three examples. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Each of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. So the focus is not, okay, uh, husbands, you know, um, you need to love your wives. Uh, submit to one another. Wives, submit to, to your husbands. And then I'm going to give you guys three easy lessons on making your wife submit to you. No, that is not what Paul is writing here. The focus is completely on this is how you are to love your wives. To love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's what the focus is here. You know, practically speaking, um, Mary Margaret and I uh, have been married for 32 years, and um, we have... A wonderful marriage. It is not perfect. We've had some difficult seasons, um, but I gotta say, uh, early on, this is this is the approach. This is the way that we've tried to operate in our marriage over the last 32 years, sharing the responsibility and the authority for virtually every decision that we make as a couple, as a family. Um, major decisions, uh, medium-sized decisions, even minor decisions, things like purchasing a house or a car or, um, you know, giving big gifts to the church or maybe helping out a family member who is in a difficult time, uh, career changes, um, you know, just all kinds of things, big decisions regarding our kids. Uh, it's mutual. It's mutual. It's mutual. I need her input. She needs my input. We think, we see things very, very differently uh, in a lot of areas in our, our lives. So it's really valuable and helpful for us to come together, to have each other's perspective, to pray together, to discuss it, and, and then to make decisions together. Uh, again, this is... It's not always easy because there are times that we have had major disagreements about uh, some final decisions, and that's challenging. And that's where we have to just really hone in in prayer and trust and listening to the Holy Spirit. But I got to say that this has been a good uh, mode for our marriage, and, and it, it, it keeps God's blessed our marriage, and we still have a lot of fun. Uh, and I think a lot of that just comes from the idea of mutual submission. I need her. She needs me. I value her. Uh, and I think she values me. I feel that. I, I feel it. I really do. Uh, so I, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend just mutual submission because at the end of the day, God has called us as a couple to be one in him, the third cord of the Holy Spirit, uniting us, making us one flesh. That was the, that's the goal here. Again, and it's, it's just, it's a posture. One of the major themes throughout Ephesians is that of unity or oneness, uh, particularly in the body of Christ, the church. 
And as you look at this big passage, there's a lot going on here. And I'm not going to unpack all of this today. I just don't have time. Uh, but and I would encourage you to read it and to pray over it and, and maybe ask the Lord, you know, where, where are you wanting me to focus in terms of this area of mutual submission? But um, I, I think as you look at the big picture of this whole big swath of, 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 of Scripture, that one of the, the apex or the high point is this, it's, it's, it's around verse 27, but he says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And that's the culmination that's the culmination that God is calling us to uh, when Jesus Christ returns. That's the, the, when the fullness of the kingdom of God comes, uh, when Jesus comes again and we, he returns, that's when we'll experience the fullness of God's kingdom. And that's when we'll be that radiant church without stain or wrinkle. But until then, we are inviting God's rule and reign into our relationships. Come, Holy Spirit, come and bring your kingdom, bring peace Bring joy, bring your righteousness, come and set things right. Now, already throughout Ephesians, Paul has been talking about living counterculturally. Remember, he's saying, you know, no longer live as Gentiles, but live as followers of Jesus, Christ followers, not as Gentiles. And I got to tell you, nothing is more countercultural in this setting that Paul is writing in than living in mutual submission. Uh, at that particular time, mutual submission was completely unknown outside of Christian circles. Again, women, children, slaves had no standing. So the idea of Paul saying, guys, mutually submit to those in your life who, according to the cultural uh, mandates of the day have no standing, have no real place. This was revolutionary. This was incredibly radical. Uh, submit to one another was an affront to a culture that prized hierarchy and power above everything else in relationships. And I got to ask you, is that really different today? You know, is, is the quest, whether it's our marriage whether it's our parenting or whether it is our, maybe work relationships. Maybe we, we substitute work relationships for this slave master. Maybe some of you are like, well, I work for a master and I feel like a slave. Uh, you know, that's, and that might apply. But are, are we living in mutual submission? Are we choosing to do the things? Are we seeking to do our job as unto the Lord rather than living in angst against the person who is leading us. And if you're leading a group of people, are you treating them as, you know, as just little you know, underlings? Uh, are, you, are you respecting them? Are you listening? Are you caring for? Uh, whether it's your children, is the thing is, I've got to control you. I've got to make you do what I want you to do. Is that the, is that the narrative in parenting? And I would encourage you, parents, uh, take advantage of the roundtables over the next uh, couple of Sundays that we're going to be offering. Some really good opportunities to have some good discussions on parenting with other parents. Um, unfortunately, too many of our relationships still, the goal is hierarchy. The goal is power. And so it ends up being a lot more suppression than submission. 
And God wants us to invite his rule and reign, his kingdom into every part of our lives. Husband, wife, relationships, parent, child, whatever version of master-slave you want to think of, God calls us to welcome his active rule and reign into our relationships, to submit to one another out of reverence to God, acknowledging that his way is good and it's life-giving. Redeemed relationships, they're marked by some things. They're marked by mutual respect, mutual authority, mutual regard for one another, mutual love. And at the end of the day, just there's, there's a lot that this can mean and does mean, but let me just mention a few valuing one another. Do I value my wife? Do you value your spouse? Do you value your children? Do you value the person or people you work for, or do you value the people that work for you? Do you value them? Do you listen to them? Or is it always a posture where, would you please hurry up and say what you're going to say so I can say the more important final word thing that I'm going to say? Is that the posture? Is it preferring one another? Being willing to lay down, quote unquote, our rights, forgiving one another, not thinking too highly of ourselves. There, there is a heck of a lot in this passage, okay? And um, the main thing I just wanted to emphasize as I prayed over this, because this is one of those passages that, that can be very difficult, can be very loaded, uh, can be construed in all kinds of ways. At the end of the day, it's this. It is, God, bring your kingdom to every part of my life. Bring your, your kingdom to every relationship in my life, that it would be everything that you desire it to be, that I wouldn't feel the need to assert myself, uh, to be able to maintain control, but that I would see your good purposes and that I would be the person that you have called me to be. I would fill the role that you've called me to fill in this scenario but that in, particularly in the husband-wife relationship, that this is, we need each other. We need each other. We need to value each other. We need to submit to each other. And, and to, in our valuing, that we listen, that we, that we seek to understand each other uh, in, in, in deeper ways. As I was just reflecting on stuff this morning, I... Um, I was reminded of the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi and talk about a life of submission. Uh, St. Francis, back in the early uh, 13th century, uh, very, uh, very much a, a person who lived a radical life of submission to God. And he is well known for a prayer that I want us to end this portion of our service with. If you want to stand with me and worship team, if you guys want to come up, I, I invite you um, because I just, I, I just found myself really, as I'm going through this passage this week, uh, just really resonating with, okay, how, does this, how can this be lived out? What does this look like? And I just found myself over and over again going to, uh, to this prayer, particularly the last part of this prayer of, of St. Francis. And if this is something that, that maybe that you feel in your heart this morning, I, I invite you just to pray it with me as we pray it as a, as a call to worship uh, in this time of our, our, our service. I remind you that we've got communion available at the table and chest to the left and the right of stage. Uh, we're going to uh, invite you to pray this with me this morning and, 
come and receive communion if you like and continue to be in a posture of worship. And then we'll have an opportunity for some prayer ministry in just a moment. But uh, if we can put this up, the prayer of St. Francis, and I invite you to join me with this uh, in expressing this this morning as a prayer to God. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Holy Spirit, I, we welcome you to come and, and show us our hearts. Show us the specific relationships that you want to just infuse with your love and your kindness and your freedom. Come, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you love us, you're for us, that your ways are good and right and just. Come, Lord. Be honored in our worship. In Jesus' name.